This is the Collective Nightmares podcast. We are sociologists who talk horror movies. And specifically, I would say, uh, talk horror movies as a way to discuss how to situate ourselves ethically in this world that we're in. And that seems like a maybe a, a strange way to do it. But horror films are great because they talk about morality. And they really lay out for us a lot of shoulds and a lot of goods and bads. And... I think it's really, really, really fun to situate ourselves uh, to situate ourselves in that mental space and look at what does this film say about society and how society should be or could be. And I'm Laura Patterson. And I'm Marshall Smith. Laura and I both have our PhDs from sociology at the University of Colorado Boulder. And I love horror movies because <laughs> because uh, and I love horror movies because they give us a chance to explore the edges of human experience both good and bad in ways that other genres don't i like that and so today we watched i say i don't have my stuff ready not happy death day what did we watch all right and so today we watched freaky which is a 2020 film by christopher landon written and directed by christopher landon also written by michael kennedy starring vince vaughn Catherine newton celeste o'connor and what else do you usually say, Marshall? S- give a, uh, I usually give a synopsis. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. And I do uh, social media so, and spoilers. For the synopsis, I, I don't want to give the synopsis because I actually didn't know this about the film. Apparently everybody else did, but I didn't. Is it a, I don't want to do that synopsis. That. Yeah. I modify that all that. the time, so feel free to. That's a tough one because that's totally what it's about. Teenager, teenager, serial killer. Well, you could just say, or we could just say, a teenager and a serial killer, a teenager and a serial killer are driven towards a final confrontation and horror ensues. That's pretty darn close to what I said. Teenagers, high schoolers, serial killer. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I steal your... All right. Okay. Anyway. Tomato, tomato. Um, Spoilers. In this episode for... What was the name of that? Beth? What did you... Becky? Becky. Becky. Happy Death In Exchange, Day. which was one of the Zach Parker films that we did. Uh, it's part of our Zach Parker series. Leslie Vernon. At least spoilers on our take on Leslie Vernon. Less so on the actual, I think, happenings in the film, from what I recall. Creep? We, that, should I actually spoil that or not? I don't know that it did. Yeah, we mentioned Creep. I don't think... I don't think that was a spoiler on Creep. Maybe that's it. Ooh, are you going to do the segue? I know. I was like, oh, that's a tough part. Uh, no, I don't like the one I just thought of. That's very. It's, it. it's offensively essentialist, but let's just go figure out what this film is. Uh, I don't like it. Uh, it's not as good as mine are. <laughs> you have one? I just meant generally. <laughs> Thinking. When our beavers come to podcast, feel our glory and our might. 
obviously. <laughs> I like that, Marshall. Okay, freaky. Friday. <laughs> right. Did you know anything about it? So I, when you set those options, I looked at the reviews in a very like eyes squinted kind of just looking and not looking sort of way. And so I don't remember what I even read that I got a good impression of it, but I did not catch the whole body swap freaky Friday situation from what I read. Did oh, that's, you that's know all that? I knew about it. I appreciate your squinty reviewed. Cause that's served us well. I feel like sometimes where you squint and then you choose whatever is like most polarized, which I find, I think that's a really interesting strategy. I don't have any idea how I, Saw this. I'm sure probably some, I feel like they put some money behind the marketing. I feel like it showed up somewhere on IMDb or something. The actress is from one of the real popular dramas of recent that I like. Catherine Newton from Big Little Lies. So I don't shoot. I don't know. Maybe I I might even follow her on the podcast Instagram or something. I have no idea. But anyway, that's all I saw was a little bit of the synopsis that was teenage girl, teenage woman swaps bodies with the serial killer. And so I don't, I don't know that I knew it was a Freaky Friday. Like, I guess swap, that's what that means. But I more thought it was going to be, excuse me, in my mind, I didn't imagine it to be a swap. I imagined it to be she would just inhabit his body. Uh, so that and that's all I knew. That's all I knew. It's horror comedy. It seemed like you said we've watched. I guess we haven't watched the heaviest, but we've definitely watched serious, serious. Uh, we've we've been watching movies with serious topics and everything. And uh, yeah, like I, then you were like, yeah, let's uh, a lighter film sounds nice for a minute, and I was like, yeah, it does. So that's great. Let's do that. Yeah. Okay. So it was it was it was fun. Mostly it was fun. I wasn't sure if there was a message and I don't even just mean like intentionality behind a message. Although that's one of my questions. I'm not sure they intended a message and I want to dig into whether they did because there were some signposts that they did. And then other places where I just felt like they really didn't. And I I don't know, but aside from like not being sure if they intended to deliver a message, sometimes we'll watch something and it will deliver a message anyway about society or about what our fears are, or it, it tells us something interesting in terms of what it reflects back to us. And I wasn't sure on that front either. Like I just left kind of confused. I enjoyed it for the most part. I mean, it wasn't like my favorite movie ever, but it was fun. It was light. I was in the mood for light yesterday. So, you know, whatever. It was was a fun hour and a half. I don't know though. I want to ask, did it have a message on purpose? And then did it have an accidental message? (laughs) I I don't know. And I guess I'm a little bit disappointed. Often when I leave a film, I have an answer to at least one of those two questions. And that's what I play around with in my head before we talk about it here. And I just, I haven't been sure what to do with that because I don't know. I completely agree. I did think it was fun. I thought it was sort of unfortunate you hadn't seen Becky or you didn't watch Becky because it made me, it reminded me of that. What's Becky? Becky was the spoiler for Becky. Becky was the Home Alone, but a horror movie with a girl instead of Macaulay Culkin. When did that come out? Uh, Came out last year, maybe early this year. I mentioned it on another episode, uh, but I didn't. But we didn't watch it. I I, I don't know what episode I mentioned it on, but I mentioned it on something. I, I don't have any idea for some reason. 
but it, it was it was it was essentially a it was essentially a homo i mean i remember complimenting the simplicity of the idea and which is also true for this which is just matt ju- not just because nobody's done it as far as i know but the genius of yeah just take home alone and make it a horror movie to for the most part i mean she's on like a large in becky she's on like a larger estate so there's it's not just in the house there's you know whatever shenanigans that happen or horror that happens around the the um, land but this is obviously the freaky friday horror horror version of that which again is simple brilliant idea in in a lot of ways brilliant idea i i do appreciate that they i appreciate they didn't take it super seriously they were like yeah we're just gonna do it as a horror comedy and it's gonna be campy and it's gonna be sometimes kind of silly but really that's what the concept i think what suits the concept very well so yeah it was very it was fun i enjoyed most of it like you said there were definite pieces i feel like i feel like i agree with you completely i feel like they had some sort of like they had some sort of idea of here is some semblance of an empowerment feminist message, but that's not really what we're driving with. We're, but we'll, we'll throw that in there when we can. And, and what else? I I don't dislike Vince Vaughn. I don't think I've liked him in other films. I've gone from being a big fan to feel like I heard something negative about him uh, personally. I don't know if it was connected with Me Too movement. Trying to think. I don't know. I just feel like I heard something sketchy with him and that kind of put me off. But I I really like I I really liked Vince Vaughn for a while. I I don't think he was cast right. I think he was fine. I I don't think he I think when I just don't think he was cast right. And that was probably my biggest critique of the film. Opposite, it he just didn't he just didn't meet the charisma and the presence of Millie. I didn't think Catherine Newton. I was just a feeling I get, but yeah, overall I enjoyed it. Like you said, I I would appreciate if they had tied something together and hopefully we can figure that out. I'm kind of trying to leave out major spoilers till so we can, cause we did that before. Right. So if, so if you're listening and you want to just get a sense of what we thought, I guess that's it. And then we can, should we dive in or did you have more that you thought you might say? Yeah, no, I just want to start throwing out little bits and pieces of things and see if we can tie them together or not. Okay, first, this is the second film I believe we've seen, right? Where we had the beaver mascot at the high school. What was the other? And not just the beaver, the biting beaver. (laughs) (laughs) So who were our other beavers? I was like going through my head. Was it teeth? Was it knives and skin? Okay, it was knives and skin. But this is the biting beavers. So it is the, the vagina dentata version of the... Of the uh, beaver mascot. Oh, there we go. Okay, so that's why I'm thinking teeth. All right, so we've got our beavers. It is why you're thinking teeth. We've got (laughs) mention of like gender pronouns and gender fluidity more often than zero in the film, which is noteworthy. Like, I feel like that's something that they brought up sort of on purpose. I'm not sure what they were doing with it, but it came up. We had mention of Millie feeling strong in the man's body, feeling empowered, feeling like, whatever, like she could take her power back in some way and, and right. finding boys who had bullied her or something and like taking that out on them a little bit. So 
there was something there. Then we have at the end, Millie fighting to get her body back. Like you've taken my body and I want my body. There's something it feels like in all of that. But then we, okay, then we've, so that felt like there was maybe some sort of message, some sort of like, yeah, progressive gender empowering message going on. On the other hand, there was a lot of stereotyped gender stuff that felt a little weird and weird in combination with those other pieces. Like I just wasn't sure what was going on there. I I feel like having him be very strong and having her be weak. And I don't know, there was just something really gender static about the way some of those things were presented. The Well, we had all this, we had all this, we had a real gender essentialist argument with the, she defeats him by kicking him in the balls and then penetrating him phallically. And there's that. Okay. Yeah. Right. Good. Uh, Thank you. So, so yes, that was very gender static, right? As, oh, balls are what make a man and also are the key of their weakness and attacking their balls is what is going to allow me as a smaller, smaller person to be able to overcome or whatever the, the size difference. So, and the whole fixation with, uh, Oh, I can pee standing up and I can flop my dick around and she grabs her breasts when she first wakes up or the killer, I guess the butcher in her body first wakes up. I'm going to throw out a couple other things just to get them on the table. The three women all together, the mother and two sisters are who overcome the butcher in the end. So there's like a women working together to overpower. The man is, is kind of a progressive, not kind of is a progressive, more feminist take. That's very scream, right? And I guess when I first started getting an inkling of hope was that there might be something more. And these are, you know, that's the details that I love is when the butcher wakes up first in Millie's body, her pajamas are covered with wiener dogs, which, (laughs) which we know from uh, who's their, who's their queer friend. We know from Josh that, you know, he says to the the black guy, "Oh, nice black peanut, nice black wiener, or whatever." So that's been equated with a with a phallus explicitly already. So I, that's where I was like, "Okay, maybe they're gonna play with this some." You know, just like you're saying, and yeah, and then we've got then we've got the rest, which is let me throw a couple more things on please, the table. Yeah. Right, we've got the way Vince Vaughn runs to be Millie, which is kind of painful. We've got uh, the kiss scene between Vince Vaughn and what's his name? Booker, which was interesting was, I couldn't place it exactly. I was like, is this meant to be a laugh line? I mean, kind of right in a way that's, I don't know. I couldn't, I couldn't figure out maybe the fact that I couldn't figure out what they were doing with it makes it okay. I don't know, but there was that thing going on, which which felt, I think I want to complete that thought or I think what, the completion of the thought is not to interrupt you uh, or I'm sorry to interrupt you, but it's to say I don't, it's unclear if it was a laugh line or if it was something about, like you were saying, the, the, the body doesn't matter so much. I'm attracted to you as a person and it doesn't necessarily matter so much if you're in a man's body or you're, you're in a woman's body, which could be very progressive like you're saying like, Oh, body gen, you know, bodies can be, can change and be fluid. I'll, you know, I, I would still be attracted to you versus like you said, if this is a laugh line, which would be very mocking of, of that same sort of idea. 
Is that what you were? Yeah. Yeah. There was just all this stuff (laughs) and I couldn't sort it out and make sense of, like I said, I, when I led with this, I don't know if they had a message. I don't know if they intended one, first of all. And then I do think a, a separate important question is, I don't know if they reflected one because it was just, it just felt like a conglomeration of stuff. And I, I can't figure it out. Well, I guess we should see if, if we, we, we can we figure can. it out. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, okay. Well, I'm trying to think, I guess, I guess what I, I mean, I, you know, I'm teaching this right now. I guess what I would encourage my students to do is sort through the characters and see and look at who dies and who lives and, and what the, what the commentary there is. And we definitely have, I mean, the obnoxious, so the pre-title card sequence is, which is backstory for the Dola, but is also the, is a microcosm of the traditional slasher genre, which is they have sex, they're drinking, they're get killed. And they even, I think they even reference that explicitly, right? Of, oh, this is just a myth to scare wayward youth or some shit. What do they say, Laura? Do you know? It was something along those lines. Yeah, it was like, it was the discussion of it always happening at homecoming, right? And like, oh, they're just trying to stop us from something. Debauchery. (laughs) Yes, debauchery, I think is actually what they said. Uh, I'm going to download subtitles now so we can look at actual phrasing i should have done that before we started sorry so while you're looking at that i'll just say they had the slasher set up and they knew the formula and they were referencing the formula and there was mentioned later on when now i don't remember millie's friends names when the friends were running away from vince vaughn and one of them said oh come on i'm gay and you're black like we're gonna die totally so they're they're calling out the tropes of the genre right which is another indication so yes they say You're absolutely right. A new legend pops up every year during homecoming week to warn Blissfield's teenagers of the dangers of underage debauchery. What will this year's story be? What will this year's story be? Or excuse me, what will this year's story be? Um, I guess we don't have any real idea where the butcher comes from. He's just in the basement somehow, which that's fine. I don't really care. I I don't necessarily need any more set up than that and they say that yes about josh and naya nyla but then they survive they both survive so they are but yeah that's that's absolutely i think that's our i think that's our biggest sign i'm so glad you said that i think that's our biggest signpost that the film creators were definitely aware of the genre and were at least trying to be in conversation with it for sure and but we could be looking back at oh what was the name of that film now <laughs> the one that where the the killer felt like the guy from the other film whose name I'm forgetting. Um, the one I liked and you didn't recently. Daddy. <laughs> no, you didn't hate it. It was like super low budget. It was so this is a huge tangent to get there. It was super low budget. There was like the guy who was paying the camera person to come watch Creep. Oh, Creep. The one that felt like Creep recently. That was. A deconstruction, we were saying, but yet a deconstruction where they deconstructed it and then put it right the heck back together oh, exactly yeah. the way they took it apart. Oh, what's that film? Huh. I want to say that, you know, the 
acknowledging the tropes. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. Leslie Vernon, Vernon. thank you. Yes, acknowledging the tropes of the genre doesn't necessarily get you anywhere if you then recreate something, either the same thing or something equally problematic. So points for acknowledging some of the rules. I don't know that they challenged anything, really. I mean, I guess in a sense they did because some of those rules were broken, as in the friends didn't die when they said they were going to, but I don't know, just throwing that on the table. Yeah, so, okay, so we got the setup, and then slasher, masculine, large, phallic weapons, phallic weapon. I just looked up, Ladola is the pain, so stabs the biting beaver. <laughs> uh, um, in the form of Millie. So obvi- that, I mean, that's all very like classic hetero. And then like you said, and then we've got the body swap, which again, as you said, can either go with, or can either be some, uh, some I mean, it's a great opportunity I will say that depending on how this goes, I'm going to amplify whatever we decide because the opportunity I think is there the opera or the opportunity. Yeah. The opportunity is there to either have really done something transgressive and really interesting. And if we decide that they did that kudos to them also, if they decide, or if we decide they squandered that opportunity, I'm going to come down harsh on that because I think it was a really great opportunity to, to do something like you're saying with gender fluidity and, and, and just like you said, again, now I'm thinking of, of they have this whole discussion of strength isn't in the size of your body. It's in your brain and your heart, like the whole karate kid scene there. But then none of that comes true. It's just kick him in the balls. And yeah, and the, the the cooperation among the women is again is very scream like feminist challenging genre. Instead of a final girl, it's women and it's it's all women from oh that's the one thing I want to introduce here. I want to be sure we introduce here is the father is killed, who's the patriarch of the family, and ultimately the the women are grieving that loss and that that's the context for all of this in which. At which point a, a a man, a serial killer who's a man, comes back into the comes back into their lives exactly a year later, and as a masculine figure is hyper masculine figure, because we have a we have a serial killer who's not even who's not like Jason, where he's like fraught with mommy issues, right? It's just I'm a relentless, brutal killer. They have the whole throwback sequence of basically he's like sacrificing the virgin on the temple top of the temple right which was kind of okay whatever but so he comes back in to the family and this time instead of it destroying the family they're able to reconnect with each other and reestablish. but it's also that would still be around a man is how they're able to how the sisters and mom are able to reconnect and be like okay we can heal from this so it's like loss of a man drives loss of the patriarch sets up the film killing sort of a whatever it's man starts the story and a man ends the story at at base i like what so you're saying there that's and now we're back I, also, I just we're back and forth in these scales of like 
that's really problematic. There's some bits in between that are, go ahead. Yeah. I also, just, as long as we're just dumping stuff on the table, which I feel like we still are, I want to throw out all the references to Millie's sexuality and to Millie's presentation of self. Like we had the so awful trope of like the pretty (laughs) ugly girl. Oh God. Like she's beautiful. She was always beautiful. And then it's like, Oh, she's ugly. Oh my God. I would never have sex with her. And you know, look at how (laughs) ugly her face is. Like, what are you talking about? Like nobody believes you. And her friends are like, Oh, come on, Millie, you got it. If you just own it. Like Millie is gorgeous. Like by, you know, by prevalent standards today, she's beautiful. And I don't know what the heck that was even about. And so all of that. And then the discussion of like, suddenly she's believes in herself when she switches to Vince Vaughn, which is super bizarre, right? So Vince Vaughn takes her over and then makes her sexy somehow because she has power. And now all of a sudden it's like, wow, Millie's hot. And it's like, it's just like, it's, it's so it's the trope, right? She took her glasses off and now it's like, oh my gosh, that was underneath there. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. It's like, she put on a ponytail and a red lipstick and a red jacket. And now it's like, whoa, who's this person? So I was going to say exactly the same thing. They didn't uh, even give her a fucking pair of glasses. <laughs> right? Literally all, all they did, like, is like you said, is pull her hair back and put a, just a lipstick on her. That's it. Right. She's not got- even in like a Jennifer's body, like a sexy dress or anything. It's like, give her some jeans and a jacket. Yeah, it's fine. She was, whatever she was wearing was, you know, it wasn't the most flattering. And I, I mean, if they had just left it at, oh, you're poor that would have been probably fine. Right. But yes, somehow there was this whole, like, let's pretend she's not beautiful. Just make fun of her. Cause she's poor. And just have that be enough. That's, that's okay. You can do that. Yeah. Well, then all the, there was just a lot of time spent on scenes where the guys were discussing wanting to have sex with her or not, or the uh, stuff in the bathroom about her, whatever it said that she did. There was just a lot of that. And so I don't know if we're back to the tropes of like, it's a slasher film. We've got the lead and it has to be about her sexuality. Even if we're going to kind of confuse things here, we're going to make it, she doesn't have to be a virgin. Like the trope would have been. We're still going to spend the entire time talking about, do we want to have sex with her? Who wants to have sex with her? Is she beautiful? Is she not beautiful? Who thinks she's hot? Who thinks she's hot now that we pull her hair back? Mm. Like there's still (laughs) a lot of time spent on that. That felt confusing. (laughs) Right. And the, oh, and the scene in the bathroom with Ryler, I will give points for Ryler's name. That was such a good name. I love that. But Ryler's whole, are you coming on to me? That's okay. Maybe it's not, I don't know what that was. I didn't understand that either. Yeah. And I mean, that's, uh, so Ryler is the only woman who's killed, right? Aside from the beginning. Cause then it was everybody, right? I'm sorry. Girls and yes. the boys. I, I was totally just excluding the, the initial four and, and yeah, they should count. I guess I partitioned off as uh, I guess I partitioned that off as like, this is our template to remind you of how, how slasher films work. And then post title card was because then I, if you accept that premise, then I think Ryler is the only one and she's homophobic and a mean girl. So there's that's sort of okay. Killing her. She's also, I was trying to think, I think she's the only, is she the only person killed without a, some sort of phallic weapon or some sort of penetrative murder? She gets, you know, put in the freezer. Isn't there something about freeze the bitch out? Isn't that like a expression or something like that? I don't know. That doesn't sound like something I, <laughs> I would I was like, know. no, you just made it up. <laughs> 
don't know. Like, no, it just sounds like, like an ice cold bitch is, but that's a thing. I don't know what people say. Yeah, that okay, that's a thing. But yeah. that, I mean, that kind of I don't know if that's an expression, but anyway, it's just it's it's just a I mean, that's a real stretch, right? But it is a just a room where she's frozen, and everybody else is chainsaw, text chainsaw masker, hook, candyman through the eyeball. It's very penetrative, even though it's a hook. Knife, the leg of the table, which is very vampire steak kind of thing. What is, oh, she does split the the shop teacher in half, which is not penetrative. Penetration of a sort, I suppose. Uh, Yeah. Uh, What's the shop teacher's, so we can, so, but everybody else is, so all, it's all men. The rest are all men were killed and are all oh wait what about uh josh's mom she killed when he walked she walks in i don't think so oh no i don't think she is they hide in the bedroom and then i don't know what happens but was was any of that killing for fun i was surprised honestly when our killer comes back and starts killing like the shop teacher and it almost felt like he was killing the guy just because he was a, a jerk and because he was being antagonistic. And that surprised me because I expected our killer to kill in a more tropey 80s stalker film kind of way. And I expected him to be drawn toward killing beautiful young women, which he wasn't really. But I also don't know if he was killing because he had to or if he was killing for sport. And that seems to matter. Uh, yeah. Like, was he being confronted by men and then killing men? because he had to, to get out of the situation he was in, or was he killing for fun? Like he was at the beginning? No, I mean, uh, no, I mean, I, I guess I took it. And uh, especially now that I think about it, really what was happening was he was killing the people that Millie would have killed regardless. Right. And we do have, we do have this fact that they're connected, right? They had to make the whole deal of it's your somehow souls are intertwined or some shit. So if we saw like the butcher as like the id, if there are two sides of and and Millie is the superego, who's the overly restrained, overly um, restrictive, and then what the the resolution of the film would be, she's able to kill off both of those and come together to be like a healthy ego. That could actually be something. But anyway, because it's who would she kill? She, the, the the she kills the girl. Ryler, who's a total bitch to her, mean to her uh, for, on a number of different levels. Shop teacher, who they sort of, to the point of satire, make him out to be a sexist asshole and target her specifically. The jock guys who are throw pop can at her and are just jerks to her generally and uh, and then decide that she's interested. Then they grow, the one guy gropes her after she pulls her hair back. So they're all despicable. And like you said, contrary to the typical slasher formula, it's virtually all men with like a token woman instead of the other way around, which would be uh, probably, and that's, and even further in the details of that, they're, the murder of the men is all, are all gory and elaborate. And the murder of the girl is, you know, a, uh, pretty sterile, shattered, frozen, and very quick and not not uh, a long, elaborate 
thing, which is the reverse of how the final girl arguments where it's the women who, even though we, even when the men's are, are killed, it's short and sweet and just out of the way. And the women, it's this elaborate chasing down and cutting up and gore and, and slicing away and all this shit. Right. So I think that's absolutely, I think that's dead on Laura. And I think that is absolutely evidenced in the film of flipping that script inside out. Okay, so let me throw something in that. Please. If that, if that is some sort of like id fusion kind of thing, like you said, where Millie is at least somewhat, I won't say complicit, but like, like the killings that are happening are killings that Millie might've been okay with, or there's some sort of maybe drive coming from Millie in that, that sets up a really bizarre dynamic in terms of, well, first of all, at the end, then when Millie is trying to get her body back and the butcher presumably is like taking her body and running away with it. I'm getting some sort of like mansplaining vibe from that. You need the male butcher to come in and fix your stuff. And then she like has to struggle. Like why would the butcher have wanted her body? I guess is, is my question there. Like what's the benefit to the butcher of keeping it other than trying to keep it away from her? Like she has to struggle and fight and try to get it back at the end there. So mm-hmm. it's, it's weird that you would have this other force come in, like I said, just to like fix your shit. And then it doesn't even want to give the reins back to you. And I don't know. It just, there's something feeding into this whole, this, like you were saying with the three women being torn up by the death of the father. And then you've got another man that comes in to fix it. Or I don't fix it. It's the right way to say it, but here you've got some sort of like male influence that maybe comes into this person's life, gets the stuff done that needs to get done. And then doesn't even want to hand the reins back at the end. And she has to fight to get them back. I don't know. There's just something weird going on there. Uh... So, so wait, so the butcher comes back not just to kill Millie, but to take her body? Is that what you're saying? I don't know. I just, at the end, it isn't, well, maybe not. So you think I, the butcher just wanted to kill, wait a second. I, Did the butcher I, know that they were going to switch bodies? I, I don't think so. I'm just asking. Like, why wasn't the butcher like, yeah, like, let's do this thing. You stabbed me. Let's switch it through again because I want my body back. Butcher was like laughing and trying to get away. And it's like, oh, the time is running out. And why wasn't the butcher on board? Uh, it's, I'm sorry, say again. Why, why wasn't the butcher on board with what now? Switching back so that he'd be back in Vince Vaughn's body. The friends had to like hold him down. Right, right, right. Okay. So, but, and you don't think, you don't think just like everybody's looking for him is. Maybe. Enough. I mean, maybe. I, I, just evasion. I just, wasn't clear to me. I mean, maybe, but it's also weirder if he's sort of doing her bidding a little bit. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I don't know about, I don't know about. <sighs> I, I don't know. I mean, maybe the theory is flawed. Maybe my theory is flawed. Maybe. I mean, even if he is supposed to represent some sort of id and she is supposed to represent some sort of super ego, so if Millie is a superego, overly restrained, Butcher is the id, overly indulgent, violent, uh, unrestrained. Your concern is why your concern is, I, I guess my question is, I, I'm not understanding two things or two options. The concern is that those are gendered in a stereotypical or a hegemonic way of the woman being overly restrained and or the butcher, Millie should not have needed the butcher 
I, I'm sorry. There's something I'm missing with what you're saying. I think there's something I'm missing in what I'm saying too. So that's, that might be why. I guess I just feel like the the male influence, what they're, what they're stereotyping as male, which would be the sort of id part, which you're right, is, is gender stereotyped in that presentation of it. But what they're stereotyping as male maybe needed to come in to fix her life, kind of, give her the confidence she needed, take on the problems that she couldn't deal with, suddenly make her somebody that was esteemed. Ryler liked her now, sort of in a weird way, The guys liked her now. I don't know, like he was somehow fixing that. But then it's, if there was, I don't know, something there about her like growing in that way, or I don't know what it is. It's just weird for her to be chasing down her body at the end. And for the, this male influence who like came into her life to be running away with it. And she has to actually have her friends like tackle him down to get her body back. Okay. This is, this is before the, the first false ending you're talking about. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That was the first part of what I was missing. (laughs) Uh, okay, so you're asking much more of a, just a plot question of why is the butcher, why doesn't he want to sw- swap back with her? Yeah, he, and I feel like that question has to play into the, all the questions we're laying out about what he's supposed to represent. If he is potentially sort of part of her or helping her address things she would have wanted to address anyway. Okay, okay. Like I said, it just feels like mansplaining. It feels like Saw, right? Where you've got like some guy coming in. Well, I'll tell you how to solve all your problems. <laughs> like, I know what you need to do and you need to, I'm going to rig up this thing and you're going to learn your lesson and it's going to be whatever. Like, there's just something like that going on here or not. That's interesting. I suppose it could be of, I suppose it could be something where, because I was trying to, I was trying to think of a counter argument of the masculine approach to Millie's problems would be to, engage in a violent in some sort of in violent solutions and so to have a have that be a component of the film and have it all work out in the end is actually saying oh yes that masculine approach of that hegemonic masculine approach of resolving your problems with violence it condones that or it it somehow yeah, it somehow condones that because it ends up as a happy ending where she gets the guy and she reconnects with her family or her mother and her sister and whatever. And mom gets just ready to start dating again. And like all the all the things get tied up. But all of that happens because because in Millie's body, Millie, as controlled by the butcher, takes all of these problems of Millie's life and resolves them by killing the people who are responsible. Yeah, I I don't have a I don't have the counter argument. So I started out thinking how could that be a counter argument and what I arrived at I think is where I'm now understanding what you're saying is that is at least implicitly presenting the idea that and if we're going to go with the id superego it's like something about then the resolution is yes as a as Millie back Millie mind and Millie body she is going to need to, in order to regain her power, take on some component of masculinity. Let me ask this as maybe an interesting thought experiment. What if Vince Vaughn had been some sort of like large, powerful woman rather than a guy? I, it's, it's confusing and weird because Booker's line in the car, which was very, 
it was there very much on purpose seems to contradict that, right? His whole, oh, it's not about strength. It's not about size. It's about who you are inside and that kind of thing. Right. The movie's presenting mixed messages. I felt like that was very much a directive to us as the audience. Yeah. And yet, right, and you are a lot stronger than you think. And it's like, is she, or does she just need to kick him in the balls? <laughs> right. And doesn't she get thrown down at the end? Like as soon as they switch back or something happens and she gets thrown to the floor and he says something about like, Oh, I see why you felt weak in this body. Yes. <laughs> you know, something. Yes. That's exactly. Yes. Uh, Yes, he says, I've been in your body. I understand why you feel so weak, why you feel so meager, and all that anxiety that you got clinging to your dead dad. You're really just a lesser version of her. I think her is her sister there. And having to take all those orders from some junk mom, that's not a life. We'll fix it. I feel like an hour and a half into this, we're going to circle right around to where we started, which is like, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, there's some, there's some stuff there. There's some stuff not there. There's some stuff that seems to contradict itself or what looked like interesting little microcosms when we pull out individual things, but I'm not, I'm still having a hard time piecing it together into right. something that makes sense. Well, the, the other thing I was going to do is kind of go through setting. So again, we got the pre-title card sequence that I'm going to just take as, as primer to orient us to the, the history of the slasher genre and then we've got school, which is masculine because the, well, the, I would say the masculine areas of school are shop, the locker room, probably the public spaces because, and we know they're masculine spaces because Millie is heckled and harassed in the hallways. The theater is a feminine space because that's where they gather, Millie, Nyla, and Josh, why they have a, what what's what do you call it where you put the noose that they did for Mike Pence on the Capitol? What do you call that structure? Oh, hang people. Yeah, gallows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have a gallows for some play. Apparently, <laughs> I was you know I built built stage for for four years in high school. I don't ever remember building building a gallows, but you know that's that's cool. And then. I mean, locker room, bathroom, men's locker room, men's bathroom are all clearly masculine spaces. Shop already said that. We've got the dressing room at the discount barn, which is absolutely a feminine space. Like it's like all pinks and it's clothing and it's, and then we've got the arcade, whatever, which is, I guess, a masculine space because we've got the jocks there. We've got the football field. That's another component. I'm just looking at like, I feel like all the murders happen in these masculine spaces with the exception of them fighting back at the end where they're in the home as a feminine space, especially with the three women. I don't know if that does anything. I don't know if that means anything, but it does, right? All the harassment, all the negative things happen in these masculine spaces. So is there, so like what you're saying... I just want to give the possibility of, and I, and I have been holding a little bit of an ace card here that I'll, I'll throw out here in a second, Laura. If there's some possibility of it being camp or satire that that would resolve some of this. Because again, with Vaughn, like it's like, it, I just, like you said, with the running and with the, it's, it is to the point of, to, to the point of satire camp 
at times. So, so maybe, and I don't, I'm trying to decide or now I'm now in my head, I'm thinking, I don't know if Millie, if her situation was presented as camp or satire, I think her circumstances and her dialogue and her interactions were presented as, as more like serious or, or at face value, just like, yes, I'm trying to figure this out. I need to save my friends. I have to convince my people that this is me. And then we need to figure out how to get me back. Whereas he was all, you know what I mean? Like, would it, would it save this film or would it save these, this possible tacit condoning of, or encouragement of the idea that women need some sort of masculine component to solve their issues. If what all, if all of that was meant to be absurd, so like, oh yeah, of course. So maybe could it be a could it be a satire of mansplaining, of oh the mansplain is yeah, oh you're being bullied, you've got problems, just do what men would do and fucking fight them all and kill them all and hack them up, and look at how ridiculous and absurd that would be, and then let's get let, let's kill off that whole notion of of the idea of doing that with killing Vaughn with killing the butcher. And we can go back to some sort of like reasonable, this is how people should interact. Is there, I, I'm just, you know, I'm just throwing out. I just think of, I think of, I should probably bleep this, but I think of other commentaries I've heard about films where folks have missed the satire or have missed the camp. And I, I don't want to, I want to at least consider that. So we don't, I want to at least consider it. So we aren't just ignoring it as an option. Here's my thought on that. I think if that were the case, then Booker's argument would have been the real point of the movie. And you would have had something, a similar trajectory to what we saw here, where Millie's got problems in life that she can't seem to get a handle on. She's doesn't believe that she has the power that she has, or she doesn't believe that she can assert herself or whatever it is. She switches bodies. This sort of masculine influence comes in. Yeah. She goes, starts to go on some sort of killing rampage. She runs the shopkeeper through the, whatever saw thing, all of those things happen. And then she has a turning point where she realizes that that's not the way to solve these problems. Like, yes, it worked in a sense. She got power, but that's not the kind of power that she wanted. She kills Vince Vaughn or does the body switcheroo back. And then when she's back as Millie at the end, she has a different version of power. Like she regains power in a way that feels somehow different and counter to that, the influence of the butcher. So it's like, maybe the experience of trying out the butchers, like, like the dichotomy thing, right? The experience of trying out the other side of the coin mm -hmm. made her realize that there aren't just two sides and came up with a different way to present that power. I think. And you don't see that, that ending as that where she, she's able to reconnect with her sister and her mother and that's how they overcome. I mean, they still kill the butcher, but if the butcher then is at that point, is supposed to be a symbol of this absurd masculine response hegemonic masculine response to those problems i think i i and i i mean i don't know that i'm not saying it was necessarily well well done but her at the end like oh okay i do i'm i mean she says it's a terrible line like oh i am a piece but it's like i do now feel more comfortable and more powerful in my body i think is what they were trying to say with that line if i'm being generous you don't think that that's kind of accomplishing what you're or do you think there's a way that you could read that as accomplishing or trying to accomplish 
what you're saying? I would say trying maybe. Yeah. I don't feel like it's clear enough and I don't think it's clear enough to justify all of the other stuff that we would have to be willing to sort of hand wave off as satire. Like, Oh, well that was just meant to be over the top. If it is, I think we needed some kind of punchline at the end that we just didn't get. It's possible that that was the intention. I mean, I, I will certainly see that, that that may have been where they were going. And if so, that's not, that's not a bad intention. You know, that's not, that's not a bad setup for a film, but I don't think it was pulled together well enough. I mean, especially with the, one of the culminating parts of that final scene in the movie is her getting to kiss Booker and there's nothing wrong with Booker, but that just felt also kind of counter to the, whatever argument they might be trying to make. How would we have written that final scene? I guess my concern with that final scene is, is if they were trying to, if they were trying to show that Millie has learned from being in a powerful body, that they're a powerful man body, that there are better ways to approach and resolve issues that is some, some in between her early stage film or early film superego and his early stage film id that is a combination of like tolerance and reason and ignoring but also being assertive and being willing to stand up for yourself and maybe even engage in some some physicality if you need to i'm trying to th- if that were the case I would have liked the women to have killed the butcher with something other than a phallic stake through the heart and a kick in the nuts. And I'm trying to think what that would have been, but I mean, even if they could have just captured him and turned him over to the police or something that's like, you know what? That's, I guess that's where I'm hung, hung up on. I think so too. I, I see that we're back to Leslie Vernon here mm. where we were talking about how do you resolve it in a way that doesn't just repeat the, trope and yeah having her assert herself in a way that just exactly what you said has some element of tolerance or compassion or something to it so like she either faces some conflict from earlier on in the film she faces some of those bullying guys from school and deals with it in a way that's not just chopping their head off (laughs) you know um or she takes down the butcher and then yeah, turns him over to the police has the, has the opportunity to engage in more violence and walks away from the violence and instead turns him over, but does, does something where she has to, where she has to be assertive. I think having her sit in the back of an ambulance, I mean, which makes sense in the context of what was happening in the movie, but having her sit there as someone who's being taken care of. And then one of her big achievements is getting to kiss the boy. Mm-hmm. Isn't that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was more than half expecting the final scene to be like her going back to school and having like her own style or like just maybe her previous style, but walking with confidence. Yeah. And then, you know what she could have done? She could have asked him out. I'm comfortable now. I know I have confidence. I'm going to, I'm going to pursue what I want instead of like, like you said, the still sort of passive, like, oh, I guess it's not totally passive. She's like, so about that thing we were doing earlier. So she does kind of, she initiates that. That's something. But I just really expected the final scene to be something about like her going back to school. And now people, you know, would have been like, oh, 
look, that's somebody now we recognize and her having just, I don't know, even just walking in with confidence or something would have really just kind of done something for me. I agree. Um, and doesn't her mom say when she's in the dressing room, doesn't her mom say that that's her problem? She lays that out as like Millie's problem is that she doesn't know who she is. You know, her sister is perceived as the powerful one, right? Or the one who tried to tried to become a police person to take charge of things or something like that. And so even Millie taking care of something is for her sister or, you know, like, I, I don't know. Yeah, if her thing wasn't knowing who she was, then gaining the confidence to know who she is and to not have that fit Vince Vaughn's mold yeah. would have been a good ending. Right. Maybe she just needs some space, just some time to figure out who she is. So, yeah, I I don't know exactly how they would have done that, but something to show that she had found her own, her own voice or her own whatever. It could have been at breakfast with mom and dad or mom and sister. It could have been going to school. It could have been just anything other than just the hard cut at I'm a piece. Like show me something. Don't just be like, Oh yeah. Cause especially the I'm a piece. I just, I hate the line. Cause it's all like, I'm going to derive my value from being an attractive person to men. And maybe that's not exactly what they're trying to do, but that, that is a read. I think of that line that, can be made and it's I totally took it that way I totally took it that way and the whole film was so set up around that around like I said is she hot is she not hot what she who wants to have sex with her or doesn't in this scene and who does she believe it does she not there was so much of that 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 having that be like the final trophy isn't Uh good we're we're back to a Zach Parker film I just realized now what was the one was it the first one not quench college not uh what is that first film? Dang it. Remember there's like the boy in college and he, he needs his power and he ends up uh, yeah, yeah. handling something and. And he's right. He he's, he's abused at the party. Uh, and that, that creates like a psychotic division that's embodied uh, spoiler kind of what are his films? Scaling quench. Proxy. Proxy. The one we're talking about. (laughs) How do we not know that? Dang. In exchange. Yeah, in exchange. Had to look it up. (laughs) So I don't remember. I'm just saying, I guess this is a a thing that comes up in movies, right? But Mm -hmm. maybe you need to take on the killer's persona in order to accomplish your goals. It's something we've seen before. I remember we were critical of that film as well, though I don't remember exactly why right now. I don't either, but it, it, I, well, I mean, it goes to show as we've talked about many times in this podcast, it's, it's hard to land a film. It's hard to finish it strong. It's very hard to get out of the binary and just reversing, just doing the opposite of whatever you were trying to comment on. Doesn't resolve the issue traps of tropes and the momentum of uh, the momentum of hegemonic ideas are, is pervasive. So you may be doing all this other good stuff, per, but in the meantime, you're still reinforcing this like 
women's value comes from their appearance and whether or not people want to fuck them or not. And it's one thing to have a woman decide that, yes, I'm attractive and I'm going to own that people either want to have sex with me or don't. And that's fine. But it's different than like deriving yourself value from how other people see you as fuckable or not. And yeah. So the, so the, uh, the, the wild card here or the, whatever that I looked up, I I don't know if you did or not is this is the same writer director who made happy death day, which we saw at mile high horror film festival. I don't know. A long time ago. I saw that. And then I didn't remember happy death day enough to remember if I liked it or not. Did I, do you know, did I like it? Yeah, we liked it. It's happy death day was, Directed Happy Death Day, maybe didn't write it, did not write it. Happy Death Day is a similar strategy where it's map a horror movie onto Groundhog Day, where it was every day they wake up and they have to kill the guy who's coming for them. And every time they kill him, something else bad happens. Then they got to, then they still wake up and they have to kill him again. It's a great film. So that, that in that film, they just took Groundhog Day and mashed it with a horror film not just i want to give credit for it it's a great idea they took a horror film and and mashed groundhog day to with it and here they took the swap movies of the 80s and mashed a horror film onto it awesome ideas i don't remember the gender dynamics of happy death day fucking at all 2017 so Four years. I mean, I remember the film. I don't really remember exactly. I, I don't remember enough to comment comment on the gender at all. That and the director is gay, out and gay, which I did. I did have concerns because you know I watched the credits, and I think the first woman who's credited was uh, one of the executive producers, and then the next woman was who was credited was a uh, was a uh, one of the producers, and then it was which I've heard is an issue in Hollywood is um, then down the line, it was like women did casting and costumes and everything else was men, which is, which has been a problem, or at least some folks have argued that's a problem because the kind of more respected positions or the positions that are considered to have more power or authority are director, writer, editor, uh, the the film did have a woman director of photography, which is absolutely a a, a notable exception because the, I mean, I can't, anytime I ever see a discussion of who the phenomenal DPs are, especially that, you know, there's huh, Scorsese works with a certain DP and Spielberg works with a DP and so on and so forth. And they're all men. So to see a woman as a director of photography was, was, solid but then i was just like oh god you know this i do have a little bit of concerns because all these messages aren't clear is this a movie that was made by men and that's kind of weird and i was i was like oh okay as a gay man that helps me feel like the person the people involved in the creation have some access to exclusion from privilege and that would explain some of the i mean i think the commentary on homophobia was clear in the film. Ryler kind of pretends to be okay with it, but really isn't. She's texting like 
terrible things to her friends or whatever. The jock hits on the on Josh and then tells him, fuck off. I would never do this. Don't tell anybody or I'll kill you or I don't know whatever he says. I th- think that's pretty much it, right? But the anti-homophobic... This is stuff with Josh's mom. I feel like that was... Ooh. Mm-hmm. Also supportive of him. So that so those messages seem to be very consistent to me and very clear. Yeah, I agree with that. I think my take home really on this film is that 85% of it was there. It, we could we could have rewritten this without too many changes and actually pulled mm-hmm. something together that I think had some really cool messaging. And so that's kind of neat. And I'm glad we went through the exercise of talking through it because it helped me. Mm-hmm. It helped me, if nothing else, uh, get the benefit of the film that we didn't see, but could have seen and just think through that process. Like, that's kind of cool. But as far as what they actually laid out, if that was their intention, I don't think they landed it. I think there was way too much confusing stuff in there and it, it might not even have been their intention. Like we might be going deeper into this than they intended to. I, I really don't know. I, I think the, I think the genre commentary, they definitely were. I mean, there were, there were references to weapons. The, the one football player's last name was Strode. There were just there. I feel like there was some, something else. There were explicit references to the tropes of the genre. Like all of that for sure, I think was, was intentional as far as deeper deconstruction of gender. I, I would argue that there's enough there that they, they put over, they put definite thought into it. I don't know if I feel like if they did have an overarching overarching, like this is what we're trying to do. I agree with you. I don't think they put, put it all together or maybe they, they had like a sense of this is what we're trying to do. And so when that came up, they did, uh, but they didn't like systematically go through the film. Like I would have liked to seen like a get out or like a, or like a black Christmas and said, how do we hammer this at every point in every way? Well, and also they just, they left in things that shouldn't be there. If that really was their intention, there was some editing. I'm sorry to, I'm sorry to interrupt. Oh yeah. No, just that there, there was some editing that needed to be done. If that, if that was their intention, like if we're going to give them credit for saying that maybe they had that messaging, even though they didn't quite pull it home, they also didn't take out the things that needed to be taken out to make that fly. Totally. Which goes back to where you started with this, which is with one more pass of refine either in the writing, probably in the writing and then in the editing suite, or the the film, just one more pass through the film to, like you said, cut out. I, I actually think you're right. I think as much would be improved by cutting out a few things than, than changing or adding others. So grade it? Sure, yeah. So yeah. the final segment of the podcast we do is we consider all of our discussion thus far, and we assign the film a grade based on a rubric we've developed that takes into account a number of different factors that really address whether or not we think the film was contributing positively to a larger cultural conversation or not. You, you threw out an 85% there. Does that mean you're in the, in the B range? Nah, I'm going to go with C because (laughs) I I just don't feel like it. I feel like it was a kind of a jumbled up mess. I mean, 85% of it. Know that you give C's for 85%. I don't mean that it was 85% good. I mean, (laughs) In order for it to have been good, you would only have to change a little bit, but those things weren't changed. And because they weren't changed, 
I'm going to go with C. I, I don't want to drop it down into D because I, I feel like D would suggest it was doing something negative. And I, it did some things negative, but other things that seemed positive. And I, I feel like I almost want to just give it a wash in terms of what it actually accomplished. I'm going to land somewhere in the C range. I, I'm really torn, Laura. Uh, I liked, I actually liked, I, I didn't just enjoy the film. I liked what it was trying to do. Uh, it's so funny because I feel like you were saying what I would usually say, and I'm going to say what you would usually say, which is I'm more inclined to give a, a, a little bit better grade as like an encouragement of like, keep working, keep trying to do something. Cause you're, your intentions are good and no, you didn't land it. But I, I think for me, there was enough there that I feel like there was a real good faith effort to do something positive in the genre. So I really, I, I was going to say C plus, but I would like to give it like a, I would like to leave it at a, at a B minus like a 80, the low bottom B minus and that being a symbolic B minus over a 79 of which would be a C plus of I think you're trying to do something good here. And there was a lot there. Keep doing that. Cause I have to say, I would rather watch this than, and I think there was enough here that was positive in comparison to, I, there's just such a low bar for like popular horror movies. Like, well, at least they're trying to do something they've got. They're, they're just trying to do something. There was effort okay maybe they didn't pull it all together but i and so i and i'm fine yeah i mean state or c i totally get it i totally get it. it's just funny because i feel like again historically we would have been on the flip side of this where i would be given the harder like no get your shit together you've made movies before tighten it up you know figure it out and then and then dial it in and then get your movie made and now here i am saying what what you have said to me, I know exactly that. Oh, sometimes I like to give a, a little bit of point points, even if it is a symbolic, like B minus versus C plus to, to okay. You're struggling, but keep going, keep working. You're trying. It was a good faith effort. So anyway, that's where I'm at. I'm, I'm going to stick with my bottom B minus. Yeah. This time I'm just not feeling it. I could, that's I could fine. go C plus, totally fine. but yeah. for exactly symbolic reasons, like you said, I, yeah. I could I be sucked into a 78, 79, maybe, but I don't know about an 80. 80 feels like it's pushing it. I don't sure. know. Maybe there's it's a mood thing, but that's, that's where I'm sitting right now. Sure. There's nothing wrong with that. I don't see anything wrong with that whatsoever, Laura. Final thoughts? Anything? No, I say we wrap it up. Yeah. Uh, cool, cool, cool. Oh, okay. I, I have one final thought. Oh, yeah. I thought it was funny when she goes in the bathroom and pees as him, and then she asks, am I supposed to wipe it? I laughed out loud at that. And, and <laughs> for all our talk of like gender essentialism and whatnot, like there's, that's a tricky line this film had to walk of like, there are, I think things that would be weird and sort of worth commenting on sort of human experiences about switching bodies. And also you're treading on some really dangerous territory where you can get into really problematic stereotypes and you can say things that are really hurtful. And so I don't know. I, I just, I felt like that line landed well with me. And then afterwards I was like, that's okay. Right. <laughs> like, I just thought that was really, really funny. Cause I, I just had this flash of like, I think I would think the exact same thing. And I was like, no, you don't. Right. You don't. I don't think you do. <laughs> I think you don't. 
but I could see checking. <laughs> anyway, that's all. You can find us on Instagram. Thank you, Marshall, for running our Instagram at Collective Nightmares. Is that right? And yeah, please do, if you like us, uh, please do give us a review because that would be lovely. Not only because it helps people find our podcast, but also because it just makes me happy when I go read the reviews. <laughs> I think a couple of our reviews, I know who wrote them. And so it's really nice when a stranger writes a review and it just makes my day. So for personal or pragmatic reasons, please do write us a review. Is that it? You can find our catalog of episodes on our website for free, collectivenightmares.com or pretty much any podcast app or source or whatever. Fabulous. I think we'll end there. Appreciate you listening. We uh, It was good to have a light conversation this time. Horror films are our collective nightmares. Before we do the intro, you know, that that does, uh, I mean, that is a thing with those body swap movies, right? Of, oh my God, this is, I'm in this body instead of that body. Oh, look at this and look at that. Like, that's a, so there is, you know, that's a thing. That's all. It's been a long totally. time. It was funny when she was like, oh my God, I'm a giant when she ran into the tree. Yeah. Yeah, there was some fun with that. Yeah, and that's the camp that I, yeah. Um, Here's an idea. Do you want to do my parts of the intro and I'll do yours? We could, sure. Uh, Yeah, I guess. I mean, it'll be different. Like, I'll probably say different things than what you say. Well, that's fine. Or do you think that'll just reinforce the film's confusing message? Sure, let's give it a try. <laughs> oh, so I start then. Oh, I don't know about the announcement. Right, anyway, I start. Oh, yeah. I so, so I have to say welcome 16 times. Or can I just, <laughs> can I just leave right in? <laughs> if I'm Burn. doing it accurately. Burn! <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> All right. <laughs> say your name. Oh, okay. I'm Laura Patterson. Did I not say that? I don't think so. I was talking. Oh, really? Okay. Okay. What's with the weird dinosaur background? Oh, that's Noah's. <laughs> Do you use that when you're teaching too, though? It's, it's kind of cute, isn't it? Uh, not usually, no, but he, uh, <clears throat> for my evaluation class this week, I had a panel with a bunch of evaluators come. And so two at Leaf was on there and Chris was on there and I guess six other people were on there. And <clears throat> after it was over, Leaf and Chris hung around and were talking to each other. And I had to go pick Noah up. And so I left the meeting running just so they could like do their thing. So they were basically like on Zoom in my living room. And when Noah and I came back from my parents' house, he saw Leaf and he ran over and wanted to say hi. And then he wanted to show them his dinosaur background. So we cut it on. Nice. At 5.30, I need to turn off the oven. It'll just take a minute. I just need to run down and do it. So at 5.30, if I can remember, if we hit a break point sometime around then, I'm going to disappear for like a minute and just go turn the oven off. Sure. Cool. Your uh, fancy oven doesn't do timer. Either it doesn't, or I just don't trust it. It has a timer on it, but I don't think it turns itself off like that. I, and I want to open the door. So whatever. It'll I, be I'm fine. just, that's fine. I was just curious. It's, it seemed like something you would know how to do. Yeah. I, I, I don't. I, so I, 
I'm not really sure if they do timers where it will actually turn on and off on its own. And if they do, I've just never right. decided that was acceptable to use. Cause it's like, you're going to leave the house with the oven. Like, I don't know. It just seems yeah. like a bad idea, but that's totally I don't know. fair. I think that sounds totally fair. Um, it's possible that it does, but since I don't know how I'm going to run down there for five minutes. Sure. Indeed. Cool. So you just ate dinner. Yes. I just ate lunch. <laughs> when you said that, <laughs> when you said that, uh, I was like, I was, I just thought like, oh my God, Lord, it's, a, I just thought, oh my goodness, it's a miracle we ever managed to do this because <laughs> uh, we live very different lives. <laughs> Um, so it's good. It's good. When'd you watch the movie? Yesterday, last night. Oh yeah. Oh, nice. Okay. I remember when we used to hang out together at night. That was a long time. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say there were times when you would go in the evening. Well, we used to, before I had Noah, we used to hang out in the evenings. Like we would hang out at night. I don't know if that was before Noah, was it? Yeah. Well, I know we did before. I, we weren't doing the podcast back then, but we would just hang out. But we have done we the would... podcast in the evening. Yes, you're right. We have we have done the podcast in the evening. You're right. Uh, yeah. So anyhow, I, I mean, I don't know if that's oh when you uh, Isaac had him probably was part of that. Yeah. Okay. Sure. 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 Uh, I'm gonna say Happy Death Day, so I have a clean. Happy Death Day. Oh, okay. Happy Death Day. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> you know, you know how far removed I am from sports is that, as is emphasized in this film, uh, I don't ever think of Homecoming as a sporting-related phenomenon. I only ever think of Homecoming as like the dance or like I mean that's it. I don't even know what homecoming is. I know it's something about like, I guess the right the team comes home for it's like the first home game of the season or some shit. Oh, I don't even know if that's something. true. I'm not aware of that. I mean, I think there was always a football game at homecoming. It was that part of. I'm kind of with you, Marshall. <laughs> I didn't pay attention at all. They're like, oh, it's homecoming. They're like, oh, it's a football game, and I was like, oh yeah. <laughs> It's it's not just a dance with opportunities for serial killers <laughs> and uh, and telekinetic teenagers. <laughs> uh. Is this an okay time to go turn my oven on? Oh yeah, good to eat. Okay, I'll be right back. Yeah. Thank you. Sure. Okay, you can cut this part out. But I just wasn't sure we should talk about the body swap part. I mean, that's like that's like the synopsis of the film. Right. Like, what else is it about? Teenager, teenager, serial killer, vaguely aware commentary on the slasher film genre. <laughs> Sick to the facts. Because well, how do you not, how do you not say how do you not say that she swapped bodies? How do you leave that out? What would, what would you say? But you could just say, or we could just say, a teenager and a serial killer, a teenager and a serial killer are driving to a, fi- uh, are a serial killer 
a teenager, a teenage girl, and a serial killer. I don't need to say girl. A teenager and a serial killer are driven towards a final convert confrontation and horror ensues. Uh, so I see what you, so you're, you don't. Okay. God, let me see if I can finish a sentence. Um, 